Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Bravo Zulu Podcast. Today, we are in the Zoom studio, in the BZ studio. Uh, we got an old shit, mate. Uh, this is this is going to be a good one, I think. Um, I think they're all good, actually, if I got to say so. But we got an old friend, um, old warrant officer, Troy. Troy, uh, thanks for reaching out last week, man. Uh, first of all, your, your words were very heartwarming. Um, I, I mean, I can't express enough. A lot of people be thinking like, oh, man, you know, you're just you're just saying thank you because you got to say thank you, man. Like, let me tell you what, man, like to be thinking that I'd be I think this is 80 episodes in now when I started this last year. Um, one, that's like a miracle in my eyes. And then two, whenever someone <laughs> like yourself, you know, a retired warrant officer, someone I looked up to when we we're on the ship together there in Hawaii, right, as, as a good leader, someone who understood the people that wasn't too far removed from things. Right. Right. When I get a message like that from you, bro, that just is like, oh, my God, I, I, I'm doing something that's, you know, worth half a damn that touches someone else. Not that it, it's anything that, uh, you know, I'm not teaching you. Right. Sometimes I, some of the, the younger ones, I'm trying to like reach one, teach one for you. It's just like you're like, hey, man, that's relatable. You know, and your words, bro, appreciate it so much. It was very heartwarming. I shared them with Nikki and she was just like she because she, I always tell her, like I said, she, she has fans. And she's like, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, oh, and here's kid one, of course, as soon as we start. Go, go That's the way it works. Yeah, right, <laughs> as soon as we start. Uh, but, yeah, I just wanted to say, again, live on air, like, thank you so much. Like, it was, it's, it's motivation, you know, it's motivation to keep going. So I appreciate that. No sweat, man. It's good to hear old voices. And, you know, like a couple of, I guess, a couple of months ago when, when I first found your podcast, I was like, what is this, man? This this is pretty good. Yeah. You know, it was before you started video and it's just a bit, just a, the audio stuff. And it was like, this is pretty cool. I'm going to keep up. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. So you, uh, we'll get into some of your background. You're Troy. I'll let you go yep. ahead and introduce yourself. Um, and then just like we were talking about before, like, just take us through your career, you know, uh, when, when you came in, what your progression was. And again, as detailed as you'd like, and, and just, you know, share the story. Uh, of a retiree now and, and what your time was like while you were in the Navy. Right on. Yeah. So my name's Troy Cutchins. I'm a, like, a, like Josh said, I'm a retired warrant officer. Uh, put in that what you want, um, take from it what you want. Um, but I did 21 years of service in about four days, I guess, according to my official record. Um, you know, went to boot camp in Great Lakes, like a lot of folks. Graduated from there, went to school in Great Lakes. And on to Dahlgren and then to Hawaii. And that's where I spent the bulk of my career on multiple ships out there. I did a couple of years of recruiting duty and then, um, then came back and that's where we, reti- we retired from. You retired uh, in Alabama, right? Yeah. I'm in Alabama now with my wife and uh, kids and I live next to my mom and um, on her property. And um, so we have a couple of houses here and we just kind of all look, stare out the window and look at cows most days. Oh, that that's so cool. That's so cool. So when you when you enlisted, what year was that? Uh, ninety two. Ninety two. Yep. That's it. I'm that's old. Like, man. I was, yeah, I was barely six mm-hmm. years old. Yeah, um, <laughs> so Dahlgren, if everyone's, I got Penelope in here. Penelope, go inside, please. Okay, go inside, please. Go. Go. Use us here. We got. We're live. Uh, you know, this is real life going on. But Dahlgren, oh, you were an FC before you were a warrant officer, right? Right, yeah, I came in as a um, as a fire controlman, and you know, didn't really know what I wanted to do. But electronics was my was my love, my background prior to joining the Navy. You know, just like a a little kid, I used to work in um, hot rod shops and um, stereo installation shops when I was growing up. 
and um, it just kind of made sense to progress into that. Sorry about that. Penelope's over. She's man. She ain't never like this. You know, she's all <laughs> she's all in my business here. Um, so electronics, hot rod shops, and yeah, and we'll get to that more of that later, right? But yep. so when you came in as, did you have any family history of service or or navy service, army service, nothing? Were you like the first mm-hmm. one? Um, I you know I my mom and um, stepdad at the time were Air Force, Air National Guard. So I mean, I grew up in that. I knew that you know I didn't know but I mean military was kind of like in me um it was just what I was used to um, yeah tinkered around with college for a little while after graduating um at that point in my life it just wasn't for me and it was just a waste of her money and everybody's money and so I just said you know what I'll just come home and do whatever yeah yeah I mean that's I tell people that was mine too like I knew college wasn't ever going to be uh, in, in my, in my path. Right. I right. didn't the Navy or military was going to be either, but I definitely knew college wasn't. So I didn't even put money towards that. And, um, so when you came in, you, you go dogrin, you, you get to Hawaii first duty station. What was that like? Was that like probably like, uh, 93, 94. So just after desert storm. Um, I got to Hawaii in, you know, actually, I know the date I got to Hawaii. It was June 11th of 94. Oh, wow. Okay. Yep. So June, so from August, um, October of 92 to June of 94, I was in like boot camp, A school, C school, that business, and then got to Hawaii the day that uh, my first ship came back off of, out of, from RIMPAC. And, and which ship was that? USS Chosin, CG-65, yep. Yep. So what, What? that's, that's a cruiser. What was that? Yep. What was your first ship experience like? You know, because, I mean, this is back in the 90s. This is, uh, you know, before women on ships, right? Right, or, yeah. There was, yeah, there was, it was a, a male crew only on Chosin for, well, I guess until, you know, a long time <laughs> before they went through crew mod and stuff and got uh, got women on board. Yeah. What? So later on, you did serve on ships with females. Right, right, right. Did you like back in that time where we're not as progressive as today, obviously. Right. But did you feel like big differences in it? Like you personally, I know probably during the Navy time, there's a lot of people that had issues with it or whatever. But you personally, was it just kind of like, okay, more people on the ship still got to get to work? Yeah, I mean, really, that's it. I mean, like, Chosin, the first ship, it was all males, you know, with 27, 28 guys in our division. Everybody just kind of hung out, did different things. Wog Bay, you know, back then was a little bit different. Yeah. You know, going crossing crossing the line was different. Um, but, I mean, it was just that. And then um, I left Chosin in 99, went to recruiting, worked in an office with males and females. And, hey, recruiting, is, I didn't care. You know, I just want somebody on the Navy. <laughs> and then um and then uh after that we went to um i pre-commed uss chafee out of hawaii went up to bath and that was a integrated crew and it was it was nobody's deal i mean it was just a thing i mean it's just people working you know people trying to do their job and you know then as a young first class trying to figure out how to get other people to do stuff that is good for you, good for them, and good for the ship. So that's it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I always find it interesting just to talk to some of the the older or older people that have been in around that long, just to kind of get some perspective from it. Um, because when we served together on the Russell, that was one right. of the last. I mean, we had uh, some female officers on board, but it was right. an all male enlisted crew. Yeah, and- that was different for me because when I left, when I when I commissioned, one of the first questions, like after I found out, hey, I could stay in Hawaii and go to a ship out here or out there. Um, is it going to be an integrated ship or is it going to be an all-male ship? Because a lot of ships in Pearl Harbor at that time were all-male. Mm-hmm. There were there were a couple of DDGs that were um, female and male, I mean, you know, co-crew or whatever. Um, yeah. But it was, uh, I mean, it wasn't a, ever a big deal. It wasn't like something I was like, oh, I got to go to all-male, go back to all-male ship. It's like, no, that, that just was a thing of the past or slowly going to a thing of the past. Yeah. Yeah, so at that time, like, you know, as as that you brought up a great point as that first class leader you're just trying trying to figure out how to get people to get the job done to support the mission everything like that um, right when you put on chief uh what year was that and then what was your experience because you were you you were still in hawaii right right i was on chief I mean, yep. did did just about almost every ship in hawaii during that time well <laughs> four, i don't know i did i did four or five five yeah. four yeah something like that yeah. that's a good about, that's a good well, <laughs> well you you say that and then i think as a as a family life you kind of have to you know you and nikki brought it up about how you kind of sometimes one the spouse's career will take a backseat to the military member's Oops. career if that's a civilian thing if it's if, you know if you're co-mill then it's just nobody's nobody's business then it's just game on but um yeah, I think to, it was a lot of work for us to stay in Hawaii. I mean, it was a lot of work to get back to Hawaii to begin with because, you know, I came recruiting in Alabama up in Birmingham about an hour and a half north of where I am now. And then, but for me to get back to Hawaii at that point, it was rough. It was, it was like, it took me a, a couple of cycles and it just was one of those luck things that just worked out to, yeah. to get me back there. Yeah. Now, I mean, obviously you wanted to go back because you loved it. Yeah, my wife's from my wife's born and raised from Hawaii. Yeah, she she's from Hawaii, born and raised there. Um, yeah, her whole family's there, so my family's there. Yeah, so, yeah, that was it. Man, yeah, to go back, I would. You know, I always tell Nikki sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, man, like because when you're when you're on a ship in Hawaii, it's like you you seldomly get to see the island, right? Um, or or, yeah. or you, you you do somewhat, but it's very like some some the broad strokes of it, and you're in and out. At least you know we were on the Russell. I'm sure you were on all the other ships too, right? In and out, in and out. Right. It, it's just it's a tough uh tough routine, and it's just like you don't. It's like it, I've seen people on shore duty that are there, and it just looks like right. their time is so much more enjoyable. Did you get a shore yeah, I mean, duty at all while in Hawaii? Yeah, my last tour was last at, at, okay. at uh, yeah Center for Surface Combat Systems. It's a training command there, and um, yeah, so that was my last tour duty. Yeah, damn. But then that well, I mean, by then you've already lived there so long, family and everything. Like you've already you already knew it. Yeah, I mean, but it, there's there's a difference. I mean, I think there's yeah. a stark difference in families that have family there, and then completely, you know, military like implants. Mm-hmm. They come there only in the military with no real, no real understanding of what it's like. I mean, it's it's a different culture. I mean, you know, and you and Nikki know, and um, it's just it's just weird sometimes. So, have you pulled into port? I mean, you pulled into like San Diego, Norfolk, in, or Washington. Yeah, yeah. I tell people this all the time. 
people think uh, uh, pulling into San Diego is so beautiful. Like, oh my God, it's yeah, yeah, great. It's great. <laughs> you know, I think they compare it to like Norfolk, where it's like a, a really long transit through all the bay or whatever they got there, right? Chesapeake Bay and and right. all this and and San Diego, I guess, would be better than Norfolk. But I tell people, yeah. like, yeah. man, you guys have no idea. The best port to pull into, Conus, is Hawaii. Or not Conus, I guess it's O'Conus, but, you know, yeah. states. Like, it's Hawaii. Right. It's Pearl Harbor. There's nothing in the world that beats it. Yep, that's that's true. I mean, it's like that blue water is just something that's different. I mean, unless you've, unless you've flown into there or if you get lucky enough to, to pull in there, yeah. it's uh, – yeah, it it's it not the water, the transit time is shorter. Um, oh yeah, the sea so, anchor is unbelievably short. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. You set it up, get it down, and, and and then I always tell people like, you know, of course, being able to see the Arizona like every day. Uh, I, I I've shared this story. Like, I loved. I read a book when I was a kid about the Arizona being from Arizona. Like, I just always thought that was such a cool story. You know, right. Pearl Harbor, the 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 legacy of it, and everything that took place on that day, and people involved, and everything. And so, like, I found it to be such a privilege to be stationed there. Something I dreamt about. Like when I came into the Navy, I thought, man, the only places I really want to see is like uh, Italy, Japan, and Pearl Harbor. And I, I lived in Italy my first two years. And then I got stationed in Pearl Harbor, and I was like, I'm I'm good. I mean, like two out of three, I'm living. And then, of course, we got to visit Japan a couple times, so that's right, all right, you know. Um, but man, to like to to be at work on a ship in Pearl Harbor, and you could just look across, and there's Missouri and the Arizona. Yeah, like, it's 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 something to, to see it daily. Yeah, walk outside or wake up in the morning, come out of duty, and wake up and look and go, yep, and I get to work in this. This is pretty cool. Yeah, and it's just it adds that uh, historic value, right? That right. that sense of honor and everything to your service because you can see it's like right there. Over here in San Diego, you kind of just look around and there's like you, the BAE shipyard, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> you know, like right. you walk out the gate and it's like you, San Diego and National City. Yep. Like, sorry, yep. listeners, thirty yep. second Street. Oh boy, yeah, that's it. Yeah, you know, it's just like we're we're just plotted right there along the water, and it's just it's not nice. And right. of course, Hawaii has parts that aren't so nice either. But right, I mean, it's a lot nicer coming out of Pearl Harbor, you know, than a lot of other places. Yeah, right. San Diego, Norfolk speaking. Right. But um, so t- tell me about a little bit about your chief time, right? How long? When did you make chief? How long were you a chief before we get into the commissioning and everything? Like, what was that like back in in your time? going through that process you know it was it was kind of a whirlwind i've been i've listened to some of your your uh, stories with your with brothers and sisters about you know their process of making it and stuff and for me it was really really weird because um i wasn't a chief that long i was a loco so back up a little bit I, when i was in recruiting duty e5 most of the time i went to recruiting duties in e5 left luckily as an e6 um but it wasn't i didn't make e6 until the cycle before I was like, I was, I found out I made first class after a cycle had already happened or after my test was already taken or after I already entered the negotiating window or whatever. And um, I was ready to get out. Like I was, I was on the verge of like, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go back to season E5. Yeah. I've done my time. I think I've, I think I've, you know, been in 10, like right at almost 10 years now. And I think I'll just take my time and go work, be a contractor somewhere. May first class unexpectedly, because in recruiting, I was all about, you know, the hustle of, Hey, I need another body. I need a body to join. 
something it's it's just like it's a 31 day hero cycle is all it is <laughs> um so yeah so we, we were i was almost ready to like interview and kind of transition so to speak into civilian life early and um found out we made it found out we we're going back to hawaii and then that's where it kind of all started i mean that's where the whole you know oh shit i can make i can make chief like you know i'm first class i'm an ages first class i can make chief and um so show up at precom debt and i know this is a, maybe a little bit of backstory of craziness that some people won't get show up as precom debt up in bath maine and i'm in a division with already nine first classes of 24 people anybody who's been in the navy on a ship knows that it's already kind of cut through for most first classes i mean there's a there's a definite pecking order that you got to figure yourself out where you fit in yeah but I got up there and it was different. Like it was a weird, and I know I use that word weird a lot. It was, <laughs> it was a weird kind of thing where you get to bring a ship to life and you get to establish yourself and nobody knows you. Mm-hmm. It's not like if you transfer from one ship to another and somebody may know you or, you know, you might come in with some, in pre-com, nobody had any, you really didn't have any backstory except what you presented to everyone, what everybody got to find out about you. And that was it. I just showed up and I was like, Hey, I want to, I'm ready to work. Um, I know I'm a, I'm the baby first class, probably in the Navy. So tell me what I can do to be successful. And I had a senior chief then and a master chief who kind of were like, Hmm. Okay, cool. Let's see what we got. And then we had two or three other first classes show up who took orders in second class billets, which, which I did also, I mean, like looking back, it probably wasn't a great on the paper. It wasn't a great career choice to take a lower billet, but I was like, Nope, this is what I want. I want to get back to Hawaii. And I, this is what I want to do. So that was it. I mean, it was just it from then it was like, where can I, where can I do what I need to do to be successful and asking my mentors, Hey, what do you need me to do? And they kind of rode with that and said, we've got a division full of first classes who are hungry. And, you know, pretty much we're going to rule the world. That's, that was the way we looked at it. I mean, it was, you know, it's uh, one of my, my mentors used to, he used to make jokes about FCs and steerage FCs. And for those of you who don't know out there what steerage is, go watch Titanic (laughs) <laughs> and you'll kind of get you'll kind of get an idea about what steerage means so it was kind of a a weird little ribbon at folks to say you know especially the other folks in combat systems to kind of just jab at them and go yeah you work for me i know you i mean i know you don't think you do you don't, <laughs> you don't, you don't think that you work for me because you're not even in my division or you're not in my my work center or nothing like that but you work for me no, that's kind my, of like just, this uh, is this is my pie. This is my yeah. pie. I'm just giving you a crumb here and there. Yeah, that's kind of like the uh, supply attitude. You know, well, you gotta, I mean, you kind of gotta have it. I mean, you, you right? Listen. Yeah, and and that's <laughs> those are things I've talked to people about um, in and out of the mess, right? And that's uh, how I kind of like run my small little department of five people, right? Is like 
you know, and, and again, in, in my supply journey, I've always had like chiefs and people that have kind of invoked that. And that's why I carry right. it, right? right? It's like everyone works for us. <laughs> like everyone needs us more than we could ever need them. And people will get, no, it's one team, one fight. I'm not saying that it's not. Like don't, don't get yeah, yeah. It, yeah, It's yeah. a motivational thing that you have to do for your people, right? And the more you believe it, the better I believe all those people will be no matter what, right? Yeah, it's just about finding that drive to, to make or to to encourage other people to do what what you need them to do mm-hmm. and what what you want them to do for themselves. I mean, it may not always be explained that way, or sometimes we as leaders may do it, you know, do a shit job of of explaining it and making them understand it. But I mean, it's a game. I mean, it's and, and, and I I know you talk about it or you've heard you've heard me talk about it before. It's the game. You gotta yep. You got to know how to play it, and some folks don't like that. Some folks don't understand that, but um, they are usually the ones who get, you know, phased out, that that timeout and whatever. Yep. And, yep. So, so you, so you're on the ship now. Um, you know, you're hungry for it. You're realizing you can make chief, and you put on chief while you're on the chafee pre-calming or or shortly thereafter. No. So the we got when I got up to Bath, there was um there had just been a cycle or the chief's test had just been taken by the folks who were there. Um, I wasn't eligible. I was, I don't even think I was being paid for, for first class yet when I checked in up in Bath. So, you know, I'm, I'm just a, I'm just a nub um, check in and they, the group up there found out they made it. They made six or seven the first year in pre-com. Um, you know, that group was pretty tight. I mean, they stayed there the whole, like the whole time I was there just about. Um, and then I made it the next cycle. So that would have been oh four, oh five, oh five. I think I have to, I mean, I get up my little charge book up there. <laughs> you, I mean, you, you laugh, it's right up there behind me somewhere on this shelf um, to, to get on, you know, know my exact date or whatever, but yeah, so I made it. I'd been a chief, or I'd been a first class for two years and a month, I think, when I, when I pinned. So I wasn't a first class terribly long. Yeah, yeah. So what was your August like going through the season? And back then, what was it? Oh four, oh five. I mean, there was no. It's not like today where it's like a standard six weeks. You know, you can kind of like even know before it comes out. Like, oh, this is when it should be out. Like back then, it was what six, eight, ten weeks. It was was it really a uh, it was it was about it was about eight or eight or nine weeks. I mean, it was we had um we were the first class to go through or the first class to go in that um after it wasn't an initiation, it was a transition. That was what the the, the I guess the talking points were that you know they had back then. Um, but it was still it was it was definitely a learning process of why you how you make chief why you made it and you know you really ain't about shit you're just the journey's just now starting yeah so <laughs> now that's a that's a great way to put it that's a great way to put it you know um and i think that's two parts right like that's it's important but then I think people listening, you're like, well, what about all that shit we just talked about? You know, people work for us and, and things like that. They can, uh, to me, is like they can go on hand in hand, right? Like just because we realize that we, we're really not shit 
but you still have to kind of like act like it, pretend it. You have to teach your sailors to be it so you, you can go hand in. But I mean, that just comes back to the, go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 you're right. It's just, it's, it's, um, it's one of those things where I, I think back and the more I think back, I, I see, or I would see once again, this, this going from in a pre-com mentality and going to that first, that first crew of a ship, it's a lot different from being on a regular, I mean, a, a ship that is, you know, five, six years old. Um, the crew's in a, a steady cycle where they're, they're coming, they're going, they're there. Um, on a pre-com, you're there for four, five, six years. Yep. I mean, you're there. And if you, especially if what phase of the development is you, that you join or that you join the crew, um, you could be there a long time. Um, so you get used to, you get a certain bit of normal fraternization that's there. Mm-hmm. And I know that's a dirty word sometimes, or it used to be a word that people didn't really want to talk about because they thought, oh, you, you, you said it, you know, have fraternization, <laughs> yeah, whatever. You can't work with somebody for, or go through a building process of a ship with a group of people and not become familiar with everyone. Yeah, especially in Bay in Maine or in Pascagoula. Yeah, not you, much. You just can't do it. I mean, there's not yeah. much to do there. Everybody stays in the same hotel until yeah. you move aboard. I mean, what what are you going to do? I mean, there's only no. It's combat systems and and chiefs can go to the bar, the one bar in town on Tuesdays. Yeah, supply can go on Wednesday. You, you can't, <laughs> yeah, you're going to cross some lines. Yeah. yeah. So, so you're going through the process, your season, right? Right. Uh, Would you say the biggest lesson was that like, Hey, you still ain't shit was, I mean, like to put it in simplest terms, like, was that your biggest lesson during your season? No, no, not at at all. No, at that time, how many years were you in? Um, well, four or five. So I've been in, I I just went over 12 years. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so you're, I, you're right there at that that you know average you know twelve thirteen ish area. Yeah, but then that wasn't the average. I mean, that's that maybe the average now. It was it was a little bit past that. Like I was, okay. um, I guess it was more of a. Well, I mean, I guess there there was a lot of twelve year chiefs, but it was those were the folks usually who had been a first class for four or five years. Mm, okay, so there weren't there weren't too many of me. And the other most junior, the MAC, um, like I had been, like I said, I had been in first class for two years and a month. There were some salty fools in the first class association that, that I made it, that other people like, you know, they're like, how does this dude first class for no time make it? You know, it's just like, I used to tell people in the recruiting offices, you got to walk like the duck you're behind. You know, you can't be me. I can't be you. You got to figure out what works for you. And that's how you make it. Uh, now, I, I since have learned there's a pattern that goes into it. Um, but, you know, that's that pattern may not be accurate anymore. But for me and the three or four years around me, there was a pattern to making it. And you had to cross those eyes and. Cross those, cross those T's and dot those I's. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think that's a lot of people still talk about stuff like that, right? Um, I mean, you can see it though, right? If you look at your group charts and everything like that, and and know enough people and know when they made it, you know, uh, what's mm-hmm. the most recent one I, I I heard was like, well, one of the most recent ones I heard was they're picking out of year groups. They're not just again never stood aboard, never will. Right. Right. You know, if you're listening and you have. And, you know, you won't say it because you're soaring to some higher <laughs> level of secrecy, you know, G15 classified. But that it's like, hey, yeah, we're going to take the best 50, but those best 50, we're going to take X number out of each year group because we have to keep the year groups manned all the way through. Um, again, this is hearsay. Yeah. I have no inside information on that. But I, I think there's always some kind of. Uh, regularly scheduled routine and method of picking. I, um, I, I, I will regret to or or never believe that it's always the top fifty best. Well, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think there's a certain they look for. You know, there's a reason we we write evals and fit rips and stuff. Yeah. But there's a reason we write awards, and we use certain words mm-hmm. and we use um use certain phrases that people think equate to good leadership good performance and maybe a different quality of person i mean there's certain things that are written in certain ways you know for yep. you know one of the, the big buzzwords the ones that that made me what i was was not really made me but just was written consistently and that i wanted written consistently was sustained superior performance mm-hmm. i mean that was it and that's that's kind of how I modeled my cheese package and and modeled that from on the model of other people that I saw make it that did it that way. Yep. And that was just a it was just a model that worked. My model that I personally saw work. I knew the kind of people who had that written about them, who had awards written that way. And I was like, man, that's what I'm using. That's the model I'm going yep. with. Yeah, it's the wheel, right? The wheel yeah. <laughs> invented once and hasn't been reinvented since. Yep. You know, so so don't try to uh, you know, another one best and fully qualified, right? Yeah. That yeah. I mean, put those two together and have them on yeah. multiple evals, and it's gonna be hard to say no, right? Yeah. Um yeah. but you know, so so getting out getting away from that, going uh we're gonna say your your biggest lesson learned during your season, what would you say that was? That I didn't have to do it by myself anymore. I mean, you know, you got the myths there as, you know, that's your brothers, your sisters, your keepers, whatever. Um, I didn't have to be out in front anymore. I didn't really want to be out in front anymore. It's like I wanted to be, I wanted to find that girl or guy that wanted to be in my spot. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I found my pony and I rode it, you know, so to speak, it's like, that's not to say that they weren't rewarded or they weren't recognized for doing their, their stuff. But I think a lot of times you, some leaders, I won't say all of us or all of them get a, get a kind of a, a shitty rap of, uh, well, you just take credit for everybody else's work. Yeah. Well, yeah. I kind of do because that's <laughs> my, that's my job. Yeah. But I don't, you don't do it and like remove the people who did the work from the equation. Yeah. They get the same recognition. 
you know, that's why it's, it's sometimes I think junior folks don't really understand if they don't, if they have a shit mentor, they, they don't understand, they don't get it. They never get told, Hey, you know, we got awards ceremony today or whatever. And they, you know, you hear the awards and after a point, it just becomes like, God, this dude, what? she can't be this good. She can't be, she can't, she doesn't do all this stuff. Her folks do it. Well, yeah, but you know, I don't know. It's kind of a weird. Yeah. You know, but I mean, that's the way it works. You know, that's something I've done with my sellers. I explained to them, like, I am going to take credit for all the work you do because that's the way this works. You have yep. to, right? Like, yep. it's it just, why do we advance? Because of the work you put in. So, yes, the more work you do, the better I'm going to look. It's yep. just the way it works. Yep. Don't be mad about it, okay? Yep. Now, what I'm going to do in turn is I'm going to make sure you do all this work, not for me, but for you. Right, right, yeah. Right, right. I think that's what important what you're saying is, like, you know, some, they, they take, well, yeah, um, look at all this work that's on my eval, and they forget mm-hmm. to mention that. It's that per those, those sailors that did it, right? Yeah. Um, and you know that's bad, obviously, but you know to to each their own and how bad or good they are at their job in leading and mentoring, right? But it's you know you said uh, junior sailors don't understand. I don't think junior sailors are explained, right? They they don't that's understand it. because yeah, they, they it hasn't been the game, right? Going back to that, yeah. the game has not been explained to them, and when you explain the game to them you'll get more light bulbs, you know, flickering and going off and shining bright. Cause they're like, Oh, okay. Like I get it now. Yeah. I mean like that, that's, I got lucky, you know, when I was a, a, a young third class showed up to the ship, I was like, that's what I got. I had a, I had a, not, not a crusty old chief, but a, a chief that took the time to, to kind of laugh with us and joke with us, and, yeah. you know, and hold us accountable and still tell us, he says, Hey, you know, you guys are going to have to do some of the hard lifting. That's just the, the way it works. Yep. But if you lift, you're going to, you're going to be rewarded. Yeah. And this is the way that you should work to help others so that you don't have to lift all the work. Mm-hmm. So you so at that point you had third classes, you had second classes who were, who walked around the ship, like, like it was their ship. Like that, yeah. was, this is my stuff. Yeah. Y'all are working for me. Yeah. Y'all work for me. This is how it works. I'll show you. Yeah, and that's not a new concept, right? It's like, you know, I don't think think about it, (laughs) but like people often nowadays, and this is what I think, uh, I don't read these books because I'm not a good reader, but like (laughs) when people read these um, corporatized leadership books, right, from these famous military leaders that have all this field experience and just, they're just, they, 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 yeah, and then they they corporatize it, they put it in a book and they sell it and they make lots of money. Cool, do your thing. I ain't mad at you. But it's like, I listened to some of it, right? And I'm just like, well, that's not new, right? Like, <laughs> like, like, yeah. isn't this like who? And what what gets me is when I hear other military people that are in these leadership positions, but like, oh my god, like, did you read this book? Is that was that was like that enlightening to you? That that book should not have been that enlightening to you. Okay, you should have known these things. But again, I and I often get on this like we don't have a formalized uh, leadership path. It's all you know, hand me down and stuff. So maybe if you don't have that mentor to teach you the game, right? If you don't have that leadership to put you on and be like, hey, this is how things go, then I can see why you finally reading this book, you know, fifteen plus years later or something, why it's so enlightening. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about. Um, 
like other departments or other like I mean combat system centric my whole career obviously um I think we we you know we don't have a, a pipeline for leadership so to speak I mean yeah you have the you know second class leadership first class leadership and those things but I mean those classes are what one two weeks long yeah you got to take them they're they're checking a box that fleet temps or whatever the the acronym of the day it says you got to have um and you really don't get that until you're a chief and you go to some leadership consortium like combat systems has a senior enlisted thing you have the you know the sea academy up in rhode island which is still i guess fairly new i mean it's 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 been around for 15 or so years now but you know even that it's it's not the same level well, I mean, there really is no leadership. It's just a learned trait in the military. You learn it from having a mentor. and Yeah. 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 And that's why one of the recent ones I, I talked about, like uh, leadership versus mentorship. Right. I, I believe the mentorship is like so much important for junior sailors and really leadership. Right. Like you have to mentor them. You have to be good at both, but you have to mentor the next generation. Right. Or, or what? They're, they're not going to. And this is. They're not, not going to stay in. Yeah. Right. And that's where yeah. I come back to. Like when I met you, um, we're on the Russell. Uh, you checked in there because there was someone else there before you. Um, I'll share a stupid. Here's this, this is this is my my humbleness. Right. I'll share. Like I, I was talking about when I first met you in one of our interactions, I was like, oh, you used to be a chief because <laughs> my dumb ass. <laughs> right. I have no like I have a lot of family that have been in the military, no one ever in the Navy. And I tell people right. this all the time. Like I had no sense of how the military worked. OK, I played right. video games where you went from private to admiral. To general. <laughs> right, right. OK, right. that's right. how I thought it worked. I thought I yep. stayed in a really long time and eventually yeah. you just became something. Right. Yeah. yeah. So when yeah. I get to boot camp, I see that there's an e, e side and O side. Right. And the sure I learned about warrant officers in there, but they're on the O side ish kind of right so no they're just warrant officers so i don't i still don't know shit people okay like i get there i'm like oh really you used to be a chief i, I think it was you or, or one of the fc guys there or something I was like yeah no shit like they yeah, go from chief <laughs> to warrant and i was like oh yeah i guess i guess that makes sense now right you well, know first and, of all we're weird anyway because there's so few of us there was right. there's and there's even less of us now because they've combined you know combined designators and stuff so um yeah there's there's not many of us and, and most times people don't know what we are or what we do and and we really don't do a lot but you know, <laughs> that's the beauty of being a warrant right is <laughs> you don't yeah. have to <laughs> yeah You're there when, when the co needs you for that expertise right yeah, or to yeah. to make him or her angry. Yeah, that's yeah. That's job. yeah. <laughs> so you know, I I just thought, you know, then interacting with you, right? Uh, and our interactions came through like motorcycles, right? You you rode, we stood duty sometimes together. And I think you had that old white Honda, right? Is what that was? Yeah, I did. That was when I first got there. I had an old CBR. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I was just like, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, okay, automatically, okay. So he he used to be a chief, so more respect because. He wasn't just a, a nerd out of college, right? Right. Yeah, at that um, point, I didn't have my degree. I just, yeah. Right. So it's just like, all right, so the, damn, the, okay, relatable. This guy used to be a chief. That's why I want to be. So, and then he went warrant. Oh, warrant's a new thing. Okay, cool. Like, I'm learning, right? I'm an E5. I've barely right. been. What was that? I got their 08, so like four years, right? I mean, you're, I was, yeah. I'm an E5, four years. I'm, I'm, there's, I got a shit ton to learn here. And then I see you riding by. I was like, yo, this guy's 
this guy's kind of cool. Like, he's out here like riding by. He looking like Top Gun out here. Like, and then just the interactions with you, it gave it gave me that. Oh, like there's leadership that's personable, right? But right. I had a, I had a great senior chief, senior chief Huffman. If you remember, yeah. he yep. was a great senior chief there, yep. right? Um, and it's not to say he wasn't like that. That, that guy was taught, taught me so much that I still carry on today. But it's like outside of my direct chief, there right. there's different people that are, are just as approachable in the wardroom, outside the wardroom and stuff. And right. I was like, oh, okay, like you know that that's just you, you know people might not think of that interaction as a lesson, but it's just like you never know when that junior sailor is looking at something that you as a chief warrant as an officer doing something that's like, Oh damn. Okay. That's relatable. And then like I said, once I got, you know, I bought my, like every E5 in the fucking Navy does, right? <laughs> I fucking motorcycle, <laughs> especially if you're in your Hawaii, right? Don't get me started on that. <laughs> yeah. Damn. And then, yeah. I mean, at one time our ship, I mean, I swear we had like 20 riders or something. We had a lot. Yeah. 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 And, and uh, I was and I was somehow responsible for all of them, and I didn't really care. About it. I was like, "This is this is not my, like, no, this is my mode of transportation." Yeah, I don't. I'm not. I'm not trying to teach folks how to ride. Right. I'm not trying to be the stopgap. But yeah. really, I mean, you know, that's that's one of those things of of that unintentional curse, so to speak, of leadership. It's like, yep, you are dummy. You're the senior person here who rides, so you get to be the mouthpiece for all of it. And I'm just like, okay, you knuckleheads better listen up, man. Yeah, but I mean, it worked. I mean, I'm sure we had some accidents. I know I, I put mine down once or twice and nothing bad, but like you're a great person for that because you were relatable. There's a lot of combat systems people riding, you know, yep. so there's direct contact there. You, I mean, it's just, it's a great face to put on that collateral duty that even though, and that some people, are, sometimes we don't want it, but sometimes you're just a fit for it, right? Oh, yeah, when, the, when I came from, because um, I had started back riding before I left Chafee, right when I commissioned and um, then I was at ATG for a little spell between my third ship Hopper and coming to Russell. So I was in charge of the riders, so to speak out there. And um, it was, it was, I love riding out there. I mean, it's a beautiful place to ride. It's a beautiful place just to go, but you yeah. know, riding is one thing. And then I was like, shoot, man, I can, I, how can I, how can I work this into me getting to ride more mm -hmm. <laughs> weekly rides? That sounds like a great, great plan. I'm going to put this to work. And then next thing you know, all the commands out there are doing weekly rides where we're like riding 100 people around the island and stuff. It was fun. It was a blast. And that's what you got to do, right? When, whenever you put in those situations, you have to make it work for yourself. You're going to have to finesse it into some kind of advantage for yourself, not just eval wise or something, right? But if it's going to take time, then make it, you know, your time and the best time that you can. And, and you know, weekly rides, I mean, that there was, it was a great time there riding for the little bit that we did. And um, it, it was just, it, it was great. And, like, that was my interaction with you. And, like I said, it just really opened me up. Like, okay, if I'm watching these people do these things and it's just a random, like, oh, he's a motorcycle rider, then me in the position I'm in now is, like, there's people watching me, like, oh, I saw him do that. That might be something they're looking at to get into it's just a, another door uh that gives sailors the opportunity to knock on and 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 join you know or, or walk through excuse me oh yeah yeah or unintentionally if you do something yeah. jacked up you, and you're like oh they're like oh yeah that's safe <laughs> now i can do that because you know yep. warren did that our chief did this or somebody yep. i saw him do it and they're gonna and they're gonna say it i mean don't don't get ever get it twisted and think that if you're unfortunate enough to have to take your send one of your kids to mast then 
they're gonna they're gonna say, "Well, Chief did it." Yeah. And then you got to sit there with a straight face, not ready to boil, and own that shit and say, "Yep, okay, yeah, that's on me. I'll I'll take that one." Yep. Yeah. You know, it's good th- good things there. So when you get you get commissioned, you said you weren't a chief for too long before you went and got commissioned. Uh, no, two cycles. I mean, yeah, two cycles. So yeah. so once you put on the anchor. Was it? Were you immediately like mine made up? Boom! I'm I'm going warrant. Or was it? No, 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 no. no. Okay. We were on deployment. Um, it's like I was I was in the past. Like I was on the pipeline. My, you know, it's one of those things where, like I was talking about earlier, when you find your pony, you ride it, and you get what you want out of it. Well, our master chief at the time, our master chiefs, I should say, because there was like four of them on board at one time, and on Chafee, um, they were really good at. Well, I think they were really good at identifying talent and using that talent to make the mess stronger, make the ship stronger and, you know, do whatever. So like uh, there was three or four of us in our group. We made 11 in my cycle on a DDG. There was a lot of, there was a lot of us. Um, No birthing space. uh, Yeah. We, we had our own little, and this is, this goes back to one of those weird things is we had our own little, on a flight to alpha, which is what the chafee is, um, they have a, a little overflow birthing, like down below supply birthing on that ship anyway. I guess yeah. I'll say that. They have a little bitty birthing that's like nine or so racks. Well, we had four, yeah, four female selects and the rest of us were males. So all the men, all the guys moved to that birthing as soon as we found out we made it. Um, and then the girls were over across the hallway from across the peeway from us in their little birthing. And, um, so we were all there and now like an old person, I forgot what I was going to say. Are you talking about uh, you deciding, uh, being on the path? Oh yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So our master chief uh, figured out that, you know, we, we had some drive in us. Some of us did. We were, we'd obviously proved that as first classes and second classes or whatever. And so they pulled a couple of us under their wing, you know, and just started taking us everywhere. Like all the master chief, the master chief meetings in, in Pearl Harbor, um, we got to go. And so we got to kind of get sucked behind the curtain a little bit to find out what the master chiefs were talking about, because, you know, you know, it's just a different, it's a different animal. Mm -hmm. When you get a star, when you get two stars, it's different animals. You get, you get selected a little bit differently. Um, so yeah, that's, they started dragging me around and I took good notes. Um, so I was on that path and kind of like, yeah, we don't have anything to do with the board, so to speak at this point, but we know how to write and how to recommend and do this stuff to help people make, make it move up pretty quick. And, um, that's kind of the path that I was on and it was just, uh, it's a different kind of a story of how me and the, the the guys that applied for warrant that year we kind of uh we kind of jumped ship a little bit <laughs> so, <to speak. laughs> so so what pushed you to the warrant like if you're already on this path and and you you're you know behind the curtain you were seeing everything you know a lot of things like what what was the deciding factor to be like mm, thank you i'm going warrant um it was a buddy of mine who made it the same who uh, we made chief together. It's an OS buddy of mine. 
uh, we were, you know, watch buddies. We set air together and um, he got me one day. We were getting off watch and he says, hey, man, come here. I want to show you something. I want you to look at something. You know, I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm just taking a guess at what he showed you. <laughs> yeah, you could probably guess. <laughs> so we walked out of the passageway in a little, you know, walked out of combat, walked in there and looked on a little pay chart and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I'll just, I'll just say it, man. I'll just say it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not ashamed of it. No. But, um, but uh, he said, look at this. He said, look at us. He said, what year, where's your, where's your year group now? I looked, you know, 12 years in, 13 years in. And he said, so how long are you going to stay in? I'm like, I'm not gonna stay in forever. They're going to kick me out because I done, I made chief. I'm, uh, I'm golden for as long as I want to be. And he was like, same. He's like, he said, so you think realistically we can make master chief? I'm like, I know I can make master chief. I don't know about you as an OS because there ain't. I mean, you guys got to die to make master chief. But me, yeah. as an FC, I can look. I'm realistically going to make master chief in the next six years. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just joke. I mean, as a, as a, as a cocky young chief you still a barely getting paid chief yeah i'm gonna be a master chief in six years yeah and i said okay so then i stay for what that'll be i'll be at 18 then i'll stay for to 24 26 because i i say forever but i'm not gonna stay for 30 years because i'm not stupid yeah (laughs) (laughs) um but so i was looked at it i'm like okay cool 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 he was like now now let's look up here at warrant he said if we put a package in for warrant you start as a w2 promote to w3 automatically in three years he said then it's just a matter of being better than 60 percent of your of your peer group he said are we ever going to be less than better than 60 less than 60 percent better than our peer group I'm like well not intentionally no i mean yeah. i'm gonna be it I mean, that's not why I'm in this club. I'm in this club to win. So that was just kind of it. We, we kind of bounced around. And we were on workups at the time, getting ready to go on deployment. And so I was like, man, I don't know. I'm like, I really like being a chief. I mean, like, I, I really, I don't want to be, I don't want to be that dude. I don't know. So we talked about it for, you know, a couple of weeks. We were going in and out, in and out. And um, I talked it over with Jossie and I said, hey, I was like, you know, I think I want to put a packet in for warrant officer. And she was like, well, what's that mean? So, you know, you go through the whole process of explaining it. Hey, I don't live in the chief's mess anymore. I go to, I eat in the wardroom and get a different sticker on my car or my motorcycle. I said, other than that, it probably not a lot going to change. I mean, I'm still going to start out as the, the junior person in the, and it would warrant you always be the junior officer. Yeah. So to speak, I mean, you know, you have to learn about that later on, but chiefs like to, like to throw that up at you a little bit like, oh you're still a junior i'm like yeah i'm still a junior officer i am but who's the old man want to come talk to yeah you know he don't want to talk to ensign timmy yeah he says troy come see me so <laughs> it's true yeah it's true in that and that <laughs> so junior uh, either anymore oh no 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 yeah. So, that, yeah so that was that was initially what it was about was about the money and, and looking at what i could retire at yeah and um yeah, and, and and still, even when we applied, I had intentions of staying to, to 24, 26. But yeah, you know, that was I mean that was solely it. It was it was uh it was a little bit different. It was a little bit different uh 
mentality of why I wanted to do it after I committed to doing it, after I committed to writing a package out and putting it together. I was like, okay, now I need to think about, I need to think about what I'm going to tell Ben of why I'm doing this. And that's Ben was my master chief. So did you tell him it was the money? Sort yes, of in, yeah. the, in a better, in the, in the long run. He didn't need to, I mean, he didn't need an explanation. He knew why. I mean, he kind yeah. of, I think he had been in the game long enough to know or to, to have seen enough young chiefs and even some older chiefs uh, go that route and why they do it. And there's definitely a, there's definitely a, a reason why some do it and others don't. And there's sometimes there's a personal reason. Sometimes there's, sometimes they always want to be an officer. You know, as a as a as a young enlisted, you see officers, you see this and that, and you kind of get, you know, you kind of get infatuated or enamored with the with their persona or the responsibilities they have. And some people like that. Some people think, yeah, that's what I want to do. Me, it was just like, yeah, I just, you know, I want to change. I want to train devos in a different way. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's cool. Cause that's an important part of it too. Right. Um, those LDOs, those warrants that are there, you know, so-called yeah. behind enemy lines that yeah. can provide that other, that other side of JO training or the more, um, intimate, right. Like, Hey, we're on the same team, but listen here, right. Like this is what your chief is trying to do. Things like that. That's an important part of it too. Yeah. Like, you know, when, one of the weird things that not weird, I stopped using that dang word. Um, one of the things that my, uh, that our mess did when, when we were in transition is they pulled in the devo or not the devos, they pulled in the department heads and our master chief got us all sitting around, you know, we're just having a little training session or whatever. We're going through our PQS and stuff. And he called the devo, he called the department heads in. Well, I say he called them. He asked them to come in the mess and just kind of give their expectation and their experience with chiefs to kind of let us know, Hey, this is what we're stepping into because that relationship changes a lot and you know, it, you know, subconsciously, you know, it for your first class to your department head uh, relationship, but it changes a lot from the day you put that anchor on and the way you talk to them and the way they talk to you and the way they look at you for, for certain things. And um, so they brought us, they brought our department heads in to, I guess to just kind of pull the onion back a little bit to say, Hey, this is the, this is what I look for in my chiefs. Because I'd never heard that as a first class, you know, I'd never heard, Hey, this is what I need you to do. Yeah. But as a chief, that's something a little different. Um, So they did that with the department heads and they did it with the XO and then we did it with the captain. And you could see the progression of, I don't know if it was necessarily respect but appreciation for the way the person was trained as a J.O. by their chief, whether it was, you know, in the the department head's case, you know, five years, six years prior when they were a young devo or the XO and CO now, you know, 10, 15 years earlier when they had a, you know, when they had their own chief as a, as a divisional chief or whatever. And so you could see the way the ones who had good chiefs 
and the ones who had just shit ones. The yeah. ones who didn't take any time with their junior officers, who didn't take time teaching them how to write CAS reps, who didn't teach them how to write evals, who let them write let them let them write awards that were the awfulest, most poorly written things in the world, and that wouldn't matter even if it was a commendation medal to a selection board because it doesn't say anything, you know. It, it just was the little things that you got to pick up on. And that was it. That was why I said, you know, this is, this is why it's important to, to teach the officers what our job is. And then to teach them of this relationship that we have and how it's good for both of us. And so that was, that was it. That, so that was a, that was my eye-opening moment of like, okay, so so some chiefs, this was my first experience of this is some chiefs are really, really good at their job. And some of them, they're just getting a paycheck. Yeah. Still that, <laughs> still that way, bro. Still that way. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Yeah, and I, it, it will never not be that way, right? You yeah, yeah, hope yeah. and dream that is, but it doesn't matter what what corporation, what company, what small business. People show up to collect paychecks. Other people show up to actually get the work done. It doesn't matter where, right? Yeah. So uh, you're in your commissioning. Um, let, let's fast forward. You know, commissioning. I'm sure was a great time, but let's get into your retirement, right? Because <laughs> we, we we keep in touch loosely, right? It's not like we chat every day, but was once you're commissioned and now you're kind of looking at retirement on the horizon or like at what, what point did you start looking at like, Oh wow. Like retirement's right there. Right. And then what were the steps that you started taking to be like, or, or what was the process of thought to be like, this is the kind of retirement life I want because me at 17 years, I've been looking at it for like the last year and a half, maybe two years. Which people were like, oh my God, you're you're already on the road program. And this and that. I was like, no, it's not that I'm on the road program. It's just like I know the lifestyle that I want right. in retirement. So I'm always like a what's my five-year plan to get there so yeah. I can start working on it, right? I mean, obviously, yeah. I'm getting the work done. That's that's not an issue. But yeah, yeah. It, you've seen other people. I'm sure you've seen them. I've seen them. They're at year 18, 19, 20. And they're waiting on a result to come out, and it doesn't. Yeah, those folks scare the hell out of me. Yeah, those and then they're like, they're like, shit, I don't know what I'm going to do. I retire next month. And those fools die in like three years after they retire. Yeah, and, and it's, it's sad. Really, sadly, it's sadly, yeah. yeah, because they just don't know what to do. I mean, they, right. they don't. All their eggs are in this Navy basket, and, and they're not hatching. So what <laughs> when did you start thinking about it? And then, um, and then, like, what were the steps that you started taking? And, and, and then what was it like? What was your dream retirement? Um, well, let's see. Let's see. When did I start thinking about retirement? Um, honestly, if I'm being like no shit honest with you, like I knew going to boot camp that I would do 20 years. Yeah. I just kind of figured, you know, that that E5 transition period was kind of a that was a weird area where I was just like, man, I am a failure because I'm here and I'm not promoting. So screw this but prior to that i think i kind of knew going in because my parents were in the military yeah it was like you know i know what's at the end of the cycle and at that point they were both still in the military when i joined or my mom and my stepdad were in the military you know 
they had been in 10, 15 years at that point. So like I saw it, I was like, well, this is the carrot at the end of the tunnel, so to speak, and I can do this. And then you just progress and you start to, it's, it's one of those things. It's a week. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> it's a, it's a, uh, it's a progression you kind of grow into mm-hmm. where you look and you say, yeah, I can do this. I can stomach this. I can stomach anything for X amount of years and then I'll go somewhere else. I can stomach this job for three years before I go somewhere else. And that's the luxury of being in the military. You know, give it a couple of years, then it'll change. Um, so yeah, I kind of knew early on, like, yeah, this is, this is something I want to do. Um, and then the real no shit, like, hey, retirement's looming kind of thing probably started happening about three years after I commissioned. About the time I put on W3, I was like, you know, I'm kind of done with this canoe club. I'm kind of, I'm kind of okay with leaving, leaving it to somebody else. Yeah. I had that weird mentality of, I guess that, that I said, yep, I'm needed here. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm doing something, you know, I'm doing something, I'm making a difference. And then I saw that, eh, maybe I'm, I'm not the person that I think I am. And I can be happy going somewhere else or doing something else. And then that is, it just kind of started when I transferred off of Russell, because that was the last, that was the last straw really was Russell was, Russell broke me. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I don't, I'm not, I'm not ashamed to say that. It just like that ship did something to a lot of people. And, huh. um, God bless you if you're still in after Russell. But, <laughs> um, but no, Bimmy, she was, she was a good ship also. I mean, she was good for me. I, I learned a lot there. I got a lot of uh, valuable experience in leadership from Russell. I'll say that. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so when I transferred out of there, I went to shore duty. I was like, man, this is cool. You know, not working on weekends, getting up, getting up at seven o'clock. Rolling into the office about eight, mm-hmm. out by. Well, of course, you know I'm, you know, old school FC. So I'm like, man, I'm here after lunch. Something's wrong. Anyway. <laughs> like, there's got to be something broke if I'm here. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so I was like, yeah. So I mean, Russell, like, you're right. Russell, Russell was tough. Um, there's still a lot of people in. There's a lot of people that are out. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think of, of the ones that are in. I mean, th- th- Russell made some senior chiefs, and you know, oh, yeah, yeah, they did. That's why I say they. I mean, yeah, they did it. I mean, it was a good. Yeah, it was a good career building ship. Yeah, it was hard on your emotional and physical well being. Yeah. yeah, but if you made it you know, through, and I'm not saying like all those people are only owe it to that ship. You know, they they had yeah, other I mean, careers everywhere. You know, but yeah. you know, it, it's definitely one of those ships that when you could look back, and if you find everyone. Like the ones that stayed in, they did pretty damn well for themselves, um, you know, throughout the rest of their career. Or, and some are just starting to hit stride, right? You know, there, I know a couple yeah. of guys just put it on chief last couple of years and stuff, you know, um, but it, 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 it happened for them. So you're looking at it's that shore duty, right? Because, I mean, I just I left shore duty, best shore duty ever that prior my, my prior command. And for the last year, I teleworked during 2020. 
and it spoiled me and it spoiled Nikki. And it, I mean, it was, it was, it's telework. All I need to do is log into the computer at home, check my email, answer some emails. It's not like, and there out of the seven LS chiefs that we had, I was technically the you know low man on the totem pole. Nobody was emailing me. They're emailing, you know, the, the junior <laughs> chief that we had. You know what I mean? And then maybe he kicked something down to me. So, I mean, couple yeah, that's, of a lesson, that's a lesson for all you young chiefs out there. Don't You ain't got to be the hero all the time. It, it's yeah. okay to be the back seat and be the caboose and let somebody else, let somebody else carry that load. You don't got to be the alpha dog all the time. Yeah. I know we don't like to hear that as a male-centric military leader. You don't get to, you don't get to hear that a lot, but I'm telling you. You don't got to be the alpha dog all the time. Yeah, I mean, I think of it, especially on shore duty. Especially on shore duty. Right, like on shore duty, I was looking for people to take the responsibilities. You go have it, you have it. Like, I knew I wasn't putting, I had just put on chief, and I got there, like, you know, a month later. I know I'm not putting on senior chief anytime soon. If I'm going to put on senior chief, it's going to be when I'm, you know, two or three years, you know, back out to sea. Right. So what, I just need to kind of like keep my head on straight. Do what needs to be done. Step up every now and then, and honestly, like it, it, it'll work out to whatever it works out, right? As long as I don't get, you know, purposefully get peas across the board, I'll probably be all right. You know what right. I mean? It's at sea where you make it, anyways. But so you know, it was good. But I was like, I was just sitting there, and I'm like, I don't want to go back to sea. Not after like that, right? And, and you know, right. so I took a pre-com, and everyone's heard this before. I took a pre-com. I was going to do like three more years sitting around in the building, waiting for the ship to be built, and then go to sea. And, you know, change the plans on that front. But it, it's that, it's kind of, I, I, I think of it as least when you appreciate, when you're at that chief level, even first class level, I'm sure, right? But you're over that 15 years and you hit that shore duty. I think a lot of people, I hope, get that appreciation for that shore duty oh yeah it hits different it hits different yeah and i mean we were just we just had our first son our our first son our only son our first child you know and i was like "Mm, i don't think i want to be doing this like you know and and me as as a young buck on the russell i wanted to be the you know skcm oh yeah you know of the navy i I wanted to be all that yeah like you put on chief and then and then I'm sitting there and I'm like, yo, this like like I said, you know, going to work at eight, you know, checking out whenever I wanted to check out because the work one, the work is done, two, ain't nobody looking for you. Right. It's like, well, you know, they're they're a chief. They can manage themselves, right? And I'm hopefully, like, yeah. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, right. Um, it was like this this is good. This is good. And, and you know, it's so I started, you know, we're we're in we're in the middle of our planning, right, for our retirement. So going back that to that for you, so you you recognize you're on that short duty, right? You leave the Russell. You said the Russell broke you in the sense of just like you. I think you're just you're done with it, right? You, you're looking at like I do not want to go back to sea and risk another sea tour like that. Is that kind of what the? Yeah, like I was nervous. About, I mean, like I had the the good opportunity of being there or at CSCS where I got to see all the combat systems for all the ships in Pearl Harbor. I knew where I wanted to go if I had to go somewhere else. And I knew where I absolutely didn't want to go. Right. And so it was just like. Slim pickings. <clears throat> yeah. It's like, do I, <laughs> do I, do I want to, do I want to roll that die and go back to a ship that I've already been to, which is a good possibility. 
<laughs> at that point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or do I want to, do I want to go somewhere else? Do I want to, do I want to start over? Like, I mean, cause somebody like, you know, you find it in your community as you go up, there are fewer and fewer jobs for you. Yeah. But there's also the community of, Hey, in your, in your rate, people know your name. Mm-hmm. Not in your waterfront. They know your name. They may not know your name on the East coast. If you're on the West coast or they may not know your name in Japan, if you're from the East coast, but in your community, people know you. And there's a certain there's a certain level of comfort in that, that people know you, they know what you bring, they know what you don't bring. And well, if you're not good at hiding stuff, they know what you don't bring. But yeah. that's, a that's a different that's a different animal. Um <clears throat> so yeah, so I like I was like, man, I don't I don't really want to go to Japan. I really don't want to go to Norfolk either. Yeah. So do I want to go to the Pac Northwest or San Diego? Eh, not really, no. I kind of like it here. And then I'm like, well, shoot. Okay, now I'm just thinking, Warwick, there's only one of me on each ship. So which one of these do I want to go to that I'm going to be happy at? Yeah. And I, nope. bet, and I bet most of those warrants are all trying to <sighs> – stay or a good majority of them are trying to stay there or get to one of the other ships that the other ones are on right some were some there was um there were a few of my buddies on different ships who were like you know i hate this place i don't like it here too small the the community's too small yeah Um, the, the navy in pearl harbor is too small and they wanted bigger navy and they wanted different ships and different opportunities and you know, some people don't adjust well to island life. I mean, I know people hear that and they think they think you're crazy, but it does take a little bit on you from a family perspective to be in an area where, you know, not everyone looks like you, not everyone sounds like you, not everyone thinks like you do. So that's rough. I mean, even you know, Navy is the Navy is only a small portion of our life. You know, as much as sometimes we don't think it is. It is what it is. It's a job. I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right, Troy. Absolutely right. So then, all right, you retire. Mm-hmm. What was the decision making on going back to Alabama? Was that was that a tough one? For me, no. I mean, <laughs> I'm not asking for you. <laughs> um, no, it was a, it was a, it was a thing we talked about. Obviously, we started really looking at it about two years before. Two and a half years before, uh, my stepdad was getting older. My mom and dad both are getting older. Um, he started having some health problems, and uh, you know, they just made us a really good offer that we uh, we couldn't really financially, being financially conscious about things, we couldn't yeah. couldn't really overlook it, and we couldn't we couldn't get enough negatives to say no to say no. Yeah, and and be able to sleep at night yeah well i mean I could, yeah. hawaii is an expensive place and you know, we we're talking earlier and then we we're saying like you know uh excuse me um a lot of people i mean if you're gonna live in hawaii you're gonna be working yeah both of you gonna be working probably yeah, yeah. maybe multiple jobs yeah yeah <laughs> and with kids they're, they're probably not gonna see you very much and everything so yeah. and then what's your quality of life look like at that point when you're working you know 
18, 20 hours a day. Yep. And you're on opposite schedules and you never see each other. Well, hell, I, what am I? I'm, am I married? Am I not married? Do I have kids? I don't know. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's tough. It's tough. Me and Nikki talk about that regularly. So, so, I mean, obviously part big, big financial decision. You guys moved back to Alabama and since then you've just been living the life. What have you been doing? Uh, finished my degree, um, degrees, um, working. Okay. So my wife is a graphic designer. She's, uh, uh, she does a lot of work in the, uh, in the arts community kind of thing. She's a, a big rubber. Well, that's what we do. My primarily now is make rubber stamps for, for everybody. Um, but we, uh, she started a company or started her business before we ever left Hawaii. So we were there, I guess, before we went to Russell, it was while I was on Chafee during the deployment, she started rubber stamping with some girlfriends or whatever, and they would meet and they joined, you know, whatever. And, um, she started thinking, she said, Hey, you know, <clears throat> I don't have to pay people to make these stamps. I was like, I can design them. And then I can order them from somewhere <clears throat> and then I can sell them as part of my business or in my business. Yeah. And at that point she was really big into uh, card making and scrapbooking and, you know, just different stuff. She was published in a lot of magazines. She won a lot of competitions or stuff, um, not competitions, but just contests or whatever. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, <clears throat> and so she kind of, branched into that like she started making uh return address label stamps rubber stamps for other card makers and then it kind of morphed into okay well i can do design stamp work um i can do commission work or whatever she did and um she just kind of did that for you know the rest of the time that we were in the navy the last four or five years i guess she did it that long we moved here and um she just kept right on. I mean, she just, you know, we devoted one one bedroom in the house to her office and, you know, she does work. Well, the second year we were here after we retired, I guess it was right after I finished. It was in between when I finished my, my, my bachelor's and started working on my master's program. Um, we were doing taxes of all things. And I says, and the process, the way she used to do it was she would design stamps. She would get people who would order them. She would design them. She'd send them to them. And then she would have to order that rubber stamp from a company and they would make the stamp. Mm -hmm. And then they would mail it back to her and then she would mail it out. It was a long drawn out process and it wasn't really efficient. Um, and it would take anywhere from, you know, 10 days to three weeks from when a customer ordered to when we could get them their stamp or stamps or whatever product was. So we're doing taxes and I'm looking and I'm, I said, Hey, how much did you pay this company this year? Like in product, how much did you pay them? And she told me, and I was like, hmm. I said, why don't we try and see if we can do that here? Like, just see if we can come up with a way to do that in our house, in our garage, in my shop or something. And she told me, she says, as long as you can provide the same quality product that I get <laughs> that that I get from company X, yeah, 
then I'm all fart. She was off. She said, you know, she didn't really want me to go work somewhere or want me to have a job. Um, but she's like, I realize that you want to go work somewhere. Or you want to do something because mm -hmm. you're getting, you're starting to aggravate me a little bit. You're always <laughs> here in business. <clears throat> so I did some research and found a, you know, found a, a laser engraver that uh, we drove over to Atlanta and viewed it and like let the little demo, the little sales rep do his demo of it and everything. And uh, we went in with some very specific criteria for what the machine could do, or I did. I said, okay, this is the stamp that we're used to getting. I want to know if this machine can make this and showed it to him. And he was like, he looked at it for a few minutes. And he was like, yeah, you can do that with this. I was like, okay, show me. Still, I want to see you do it. Here's a file. Like here's a, you know, a graphic file that we're for this stamp. So he made it right there. Showed me, I looked at it, and was like, cool. And then it's just a matter of how much do I want to spend on this machine? Yeah. So that was a whole different like level of mm. of shit. What do I do now? Like I've, yeah. I've, st I've stuck my foot in it now. Like now I gotta really <laughs> I gotta do it. <clears throat> yeah. And so that was it. I mean, that was that's a long story. I mean, bought a laser engraver, it got to the house and couple of weeks later the guy drove it over in a trailer set it up in a garage and um so then we devoted this little room that i'm in now to be my office so she designs she does all the customer stuff i'll do that um yeah she interacts with customers and then she puts her files in a dropbox folder and i do the engraving that's awesome yeah so that's it and then, i mean then that, i get a lot more time to play with stuff now yeah i mean i think i'm always for like the entrepreneur you know self-employed kind of stuff right um and i think it's even i think it's awesome when that you just kind of fall into it right like when it starts off as a hobby or something it's like hey that's cool and then then it grows naturally and you're able to turn it into something that that can provide for your family i think that's awesome obviously supplemented again like you said when you first came in you knew you were going to do 20 years because you knew that carrot was that pension paycheck coming in on the first of the month. Yeah. Right? And, and you're, you're, you made your choices in your career when you looked at that pay chart to realize mm, that W3, that, that's a bigger retirement than probably seven, eight, you know, up to a certain point at 20, right? Oh yeah. At, at 20 years, the two were, were, were night and day. I mean, they were, there was a considerable enough difference where, yeah. Like I had to choose as okay, even if I didn't make Master Chief, if I stayed to twenty as an E seven, what would I make as opposed to what I would know I would make as a W three at twenty? Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, that's just not even that's that's just not even good business to not consider. <laughs> yeah. It's it's financially not smart. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't. And so that was the easy that was the the jumping off that kind of led me into that. Yeah. You know, that's it's a great point. A lot of people say well, you should have other reasons than money. Okay, maybe. But, yeah, I did. Yeah, but money could definitely be the number one reason. You know, um, I tell people now. I, I always tell first classes like, "Hey, you need to look at a pay chart and look at what yeah. LTO gets you." There's I, I, nothing that I, I I love being a chief myself, but I was looking at those pay chart pay charts too long. It wasn't really presented to me as an option early enough, right? And I just I, I'd been raised by chiefs to be a chief. 
right? And no one was like, hey, you'd be a good, you know, LDO supple or something. So it was never on my plate. Yeah, it's different. It's, it really matters too of when you make chief and what your, what your year group is, I think, because it's a lot easier. It was a lot easier choice for me at 12 years yeah. than it would have been at, say, 16 or 17 years. Because, you know, you retire at high three, or it used to be when I retired, it was high three. So I had to have three years in service as a, that pay grade yep. to get that money. And I was like, well, this is just doesn't make any sense not to do it. I mean, it's just, but I mean, like there was kids in, there was guys that put on chief with me who were at 18 years. So they weren't going to do, they were, they had no desire yeah, to do what LDL would want to start yeah. over at that yeah. late in their career. Yeah. And then that, oh, at that point, you're also a little jaded. Yeah. You're also a little jaded at that point of, well, I really don't want to, I built myself up X number of years in the military. Do I really want to start over as an ensign? Do I want to have them yeah. say, I mean, cause it's one thing to, when somebody meets you, when they see your ribbons, they know, yeah, this kid's been around a while, mm-hmm. but when they get orders on you, unless they really dig, which most people aren't, they're just looking at, okay, this kid's an 11, you know, uh, as an 1160, 116X, whatever the, the designator is for junior officer right out of the academy or wherever, mm-hmm. that, that's all they see is instant. They don't know, even if it's an LDO. I mean, it's it's like they kind of get the idea of, okay, this person's transferring from another ship on the waterfront. But I mean, okay, they don't know anything about them. Yeah, not until you know, Yeah, then yeah. they look at you and go, okay, this kid's been around for a while. Yeah. Yeah, that that you that was one of my big um I guess gripes maybe was like I'm not starting over. Right. I worked too hard too long. Right. I'm, I'm going back to the bottom, right? right? Where now I'm going back to being tra- like no matter like I, I get it like they're the they're the chinsen, right? They're there, they're still helping out train. I'm yeah, but someone's still looking at me like, "Well, you're ensign and it's still my job and duty as a chief to train the junior officer which you are and it's like yeah but i've kind of been there a little bit but not that you know i'm like i'm not yeah. i was like I, and you know stubborn as all hell it's like, yeah. I'm, I'm not doing it i'm, I'm yeah. here i you know to me i've made it and that's you know i'm happy with that but you know, I, now i tell junior sailors especially like i got a couple uh, young first classes you know that made it fast you know they're under like 10 years just at 10 years i'm like what are you doing do you want to something? Yeah. <laughs> do you want to make chief in the next year or two, and then sit around as chief or maybe senior chief until twenty when you could be a oh three oh four, you know, oh four years oh, in ten years, and then call yeah. it quits at twenty still. Yep. Just look, I mean, like, and people are like, "Well, look, I'm just, I'm laying out what I wasn't always laid out to me, yeah. right?" And 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 there's just there's better options because I want a life like you have, yeah. right? where it's where it's financially stable yeah. doing my own thing waking up and, and doing the work that i want right and that's something again I, that i've admired watching you in your retirement is like man troy like i don't know what he's doing exactly but <laughs> i want some of that because it looks good right Here lately all i'm doing is jerk just yeah playing around yeah, I mean, and if it feels like that, it's got to be good because I'm not doing that when I go get underway on the ship. I mean, you know, getting underway the ship sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. So right. 
you have moments of laughter and stuff, all that, but that's not waking up. And I, so like our plan, I tell everyone, our plan is I'm going to be a stay at home dad. And people look at me like I'm crazy. They're like, no, you could like, what? Like, I was like, yes, our, my plan is to be a stay at home dad. My wife is a professional. We're going to move to a uh, Flagstaff. That's where we plan on retiring. So cheaper than San Diego where I would have to work. Yeah. Right. I was like, so as long as my retirement can like cover the mortgage. Yeah. And we're definitely you have to you have to break it out and look at look at it like that and talk to yeah. like your your financial professional to somebody that you trust and you can lead you in the right way. Yeah. And you can lay up and you can be honest with them. And that's the big thing is like be honest with them and say, This is the what I want to do. This is what I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. And then is it possible? Is yeah. it, does that does that seem feasible? Yeah. And I think it just goes back to, I think as chiefs, retired warrants, retired officers, I think we get so wrapped up in the, the life that we've lived for the 20 plus years and getting, let offered, that shit go quick. you know, and, and, but, but being offered like, Oh, you can yeah. have this contractor job. You can have this, you can make, you know, a hundred thousand plus this, that, and, and it's good. And I'm not, if you're doing yep. it, it's yep. good for you, right? Like yep. you gotta do what you gotta do to provide for your family. Yep. I'm just making it like there's other things, right? And you gotta find what's important to you and make whatever yep. it is to work for you work for you. And I yep. just, I just look at it like it's. I admire you, Troy, for being able to 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 not be in a fleet centric area. <laughs> Bro, there's no there's there's water around here, but it's a lake that I grew up on. Yeah, and there is like. Yeah, I that's it. That brings up a whole like there's, yeah, there's some weird stories about boats and water and stuff, but that's yeah. different. For <laughs> podcast, another time. Hey, Troy, you know, we'll wrap it up there, man. Uh, bro, I appreciate you, you know, taking the time out of your day and coming on and being a, a guest on the Bravo Zulu podcast. Again, uh, your words are always encouraging and, and things like that, uh, really keep me going. Again, thanks for stopping by and being a guest, uh, on the show, sharing your your experience and your career story and everything like that. Um, I appreciate you, brother. Thanks so much. Thank you, man. Thanks for what you do and keep on rocking. All right, brother. I'm going uh, to hit this outro and then just stand by for a moment and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk afterwards. One moment. Cool. For more information on how you can support the podcast, please visit us at anchor.fm backslash Zulu podcast. The information, views, and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely of myself, Joshua Moore, and the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent the DOD, DON, or those of the respected institutions or organizations. Thanks for joining us.